And now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guests on the topic of motivating students. Joining our conversation on motivating students with an emphasis on adolescence are Relia Cossett Lent, an education writer and consultant living in Morganton, Georgia, and Barry Gilmore, middle school head at Hutchinson School in Memphis, Tennessee. Together, they authored the book Common Core CPR, What About the Adolescents Who Struggle or Just Don't Care, published by Corwin in 2013. Relia and Barry, welcome to the show. Thanks. Relia, are you there? I am here. I have a touch of laryngitis from working with teachers all day, but (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I certainly understand. And I, agree. I appreciate you being here. I know you've been speaking a lot today. Uh, Relia, I'm going to start with you. Uh, why is engagement important for all students, but especially so for those who struggle? Well, any teacher who is listening to this knows how important this is because it doesn't matter how many standards we have. It doesn't matter what the curriculum is like. It doesn't matter what the teacher is like. If we can't engage those students on their own to become motivated to learn, then we really have lost the battle. And we all know that there are um, stu- all of us have had students who struggle, and they struggle in many ways. They may struggle because uh, they don't understand the material, or they have some deficiencies that we need to help them with, or they may struggle because they just aren't interested in what we are trying to get them to learn. And so we have to provide the practices that strike that intrinsic motivation inside them so that they're not doing it for us because we know that doesn't work, but they are learning because it matters to them, and they know that it will make a difference in their lives, or they are so curious, they just can't stand it, they want to find out. And once we can do that, then we have a chance of helping them succeed in anything they want to succeed in. Absolutely. Barry, in your book, Common Core CPR, you define standards for motivation and engagement. How do these fit the Common Core standards? Well, you know, when Relia and I were writing the book, we were looking at the Common Core standards, of course, closely and trying to get past all the political um, hype about the standards and really help classroom teachers who are on the ground trying to uh, deliver content using these standards. And as we worked with them, we thought there's a lot of good academic skills that are emphasized in those standards, but what, what seemed to be missing was the how teachers deliver it. In other words, the standards do the what, and we wanted to help teachers with the how. And as we thought about the how, we thought, well, there's actually a whole set of time-tested, proven ways of delivering information that good teachers know that engages and motivates students, um, students who struggle, students who don't struggle, all students, but especially when we think about disengaged learners, we know that we have to do some of these things, that we have to differentiate, that we have to um, get students active and involved in their learning, that we have to give them authentic assessments and authentic learning experiences in order to get them to grapple with material and learn in a deep way. So, so Barry, was this uh, an attempt to say, hey, the even before the Common Core standards, the things that you knew were important for students to learn are still important? Is that why you thought teachers needed to, to hear this, these additional standards? Absolutely. I think there are great teachers all over the country who 
Um, I think one of the thing, frustrations that they sometimes have with standards, whether it's the Common Core or the state standards that they faced before them or that they're facing now in some states, is that they knew that there's more to getting a student to love learning and to be engaged than just the academic skill. The academic skill is very important, but so is the relationship that we build with students and then the culture that we create within the classroom. So we wanted to validate teachers and say, absolutely, there's a whole set of things that you know how to do and that you need to be reminded of regularly that will help you deliver this content. Excellent. Uh, Relia, what are some characteristics of struggling learners? Well, that's that's kind of hard to answer because struggling learners come in many sizes, shapes. Um, you could have a struggling learner who comes in and he maybe had some problems at home that morning. You know, maybe he got into a fight with his girlfriend, for instance, or um, maybe he's hungry, or maybe I was working with teachers today and they said that they've had some um, immigrants recently who have just had some, you know, horrible experiences. So their minds are not on what they need to learn, uh, and their minds are not on school. So those are struggling learners. And then you have other students who maybe haven't had the opportunities that some students have had. Maybe they come from a print deficit environment, or maybe they haven't read uh, for some reason. And so they just are, are behind for that reason, even though they have the ability to do all of these things. They may be struggling. Then you have some kids who have attitudes. We've all had kids like this, and they're perfectly capable, but they're kids who can but won't for whatever reason. And they say, I'm just not going to do this. So they are struggling as well. We call them illiterate students, can but won't. Um, mm. And then, of course, you have students who who are just deficient in other areas. Maybe they just um, they just really need some extra instruction in some areas, and they're struggling for that reason. Um, so uh, there's just so many students that we can't really put them in a box, and we can't say that there is a prototype sort of of a struggling student. We that's why we need to build relationships and understand our students and see how they may be struggling in one way or another. And all of this calls for us to know them and as Barry said, to to build that culture and that relationship so that we can meet their needs wherever they are. So um I would say that that all of us struggle in some way sometime and we need to find out which of our students are struggling and how. Excellent, because I was just about to follow up that question by saying, technically then, are all learners, struggling learners, at some point or another? I'd say so. We just have to figure out when, and they may struggle. You know, you may have a student who struggles in math and doesn't struggle at all in English, a student who is a beautiful writer but can't read the science textbook, a student who maybe can do labs and really understand those labs, a kinesthetic learner, but is not at all comfortable with, um, you know, taking tests. So we have to figure out in what way they struggle and not expect for one size to fit all and for us to do the same thing in every single class because we then are just looking over the different areas in which students struggle. Mm, this is great advice. Uh, Barry, if we want to motivate students, do we first have to motivate the teachers? What a great question. I think, I, you know, I would say the answer is we have to motivate teachers and be motivating students at the same time. And I think that we can't forget how important it is to motivate teachers. And I think many of the same um, 
attitudes and trends that really is describing that we see in students can happen to teachers as well. Um, they can easily become demotivated. They can start to feel that they don't have power over their own classrooms in the same way that struggling learners can feel that they don't have power over their learning. Um, they Teachers work in socioeconomic climates and cultural climates that can sometimes demotivate them if they um, aren't encouraged and given outlets. Um, and, you know, there's a big... There's a big discussion right now about external and internal motivation of teachers, and that's exactly what we see with struggling learners, is that they are often motivated externally, and we want to move to the internal motivation. And we know that most teachers go into teaching for internal reasons. They're internally motivated, and that over time, uh, districts and states start to move towards external motivations, and it becomes sort of a disconnect for teachers. So I think we absolutely have to work with our teachers to empower them, to give them the tools that they need, um, and to say to them, yes, you, you are able to motivate your students. You are the expert in your classroom. We will help you with some of the materials and some of the big ideas, but you are the expert in these particular kids walking into your classroom and how to reach them. Okay. Now, would you agree that these external motivators are include state assessment tests and tying assessment results to teacher evaluations and principal evaluations? Are those the type of external motivators that have been added? Yeah, absolutely. And we're talking now about merit pay and um, different sorts of external motivators. And there's, you know, the research is mixed on a lot of these things. Um, we're not at a place where we want to say they, they don't work at all. But to think that we're going to boil down a teacher's effectiveness with a struggling learner to a set of test scores is a little dangerous because we know that the struggling learners are are not necessarily going to be the ones achieving, and they're going to start falling by the wayside, um, and that's going to demotivate teachers more. So I think we just need a broader, more holistic view of what a good teacher does, and it's been a very uh, hard discussion for us to have overall. Excellent, but very very necessary discussion. Um, Absolutely. Jonathan, can I follow up on that? Absolutely. Um, I'm working in Barrington District, which is right outside of Chicago. I've been there today. And they have created, to me, the most wonderful way of, of creating an internal motivation system for teachers through professional development. And this includes putting teachers in small groups and allowing them to have collaborative opportunities to um, have professional conversations, to experience autonomy, to make decisions about lessons, to honor their expertise. These are really communities of practice and um, learning, true learning communities. And they're not trying to just do the one-size-fits-all professional development for teachers. They're bringing them together in small groups where they can you know, just talk about all the things that, that we've been talking about today and shift their practice in ways that they need to through empowering teachers and doing what the Common Core says, which is honoring uh, teachers' expertise in their disciplines and their judgment and asking them to make the decisions about their students. It's the best um, professional development model I've seen. Now, th th that sounds fantastic. Now, with that type of model... Uh, would you say the facilitator is important in guiding it? Because oftentimes when you, when, when you have a large or even small group 
settings for teachers, it becomes a gripe session that, oh, the state's out to get us, you know, um, these tests are crazy, you know, <laughs> instead of getting right to, hey, what is your expertise and what do you bring to the table and how can that uh, benefit the classroom? Do you find that that facilitator is very important? Oh, you know, completely important, absolutely important. And I go um, places where, as you say, you know, the gripe session begins, but we have to say, well, how are we going to move forward? There are some things we can change, and there are some things we can't change. So let's look at what we can change. But in a district such as this, and I've been to other districts that are like this, where the administrators um, trust the teachers, they want to trust them, and they do trust them, and they say, you know, we're not going to we're not going to listen to what isn't working. We want to know how you can make it work. Now, we'll provide you with the tools that you need, and we'll provide you uh, with the support that you need, and, and that happens. And so teachers begin trusting the administrators of the district as well, and so they begin working together. But, um, you know, we, we know that in a negative environment, we can't really move forward, but our ideas also have to be heard in order to feel like we're making a difference. And um, and that has to be um, what has to be foundational in that is providing teachers with the knowledge that they need for the shifts that they need to make, the materials, and then the support. And when that's in place, then we see this positive movement, and it transfers to the classroom. Absolutely, excellent information. Uh, before we go into a short break, uh, really, uh, what do educators mean by scaffolding? By scaffolding, um, they mean that just like the scaffolding you see on tall buildings, it is a way that we support teachers, that, it's, that teachers actually support their learners so that we don't provide too much so that we're enabling them, uh, but we provide enough so that they are able to enter their, uh, another kind of buzzword, but their zone of proximal development. So, and, and what concerns me about not scaffolding and, and Common Core is all the emphasis on challenging texts and complex tasks. And I worry sometimes that teachers are going to say, oh, you know, Common Core says that it has to be very complex, so here's something you can't read, <laughs> but you just read it anyway. And scaffolding means that we provide the support the students need, individualized support. So we might start off with something that's a little easier, and then we work them up to where they can read the challenging text. We, um, I like what Dick Allington says, you can't give kids things that they can't read, text that they can't read, and expect them to read it. We have to provide the support that they need and start there and then work up. Excellent. And in fact, my guest at the beginning of the show, uh, Rick Warmly, would also agree that, you know, you know, students need to learn and fail and get feedback so that they can grow as opposed to just throwing them to the wolves. Oh, um, yes. At this time, we need to take a short break, but stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. Now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our distinguished guests, Relia Cossett-Lent and Barry Gilmore. Barry, I'd like to start with you as we do this final half of the show, a final segment. Uh, the Common Core Standards are framed as expectations for career and college-ready students. What about students who are many grade levels behind in the, re- in the pursuit of college or career? How can teachers motivate them to learn? You know, I think that's one of the big questions that teachers have about the Common Core because they're 
all of the standards are end of year standards. So it's what a what a kid can do at the end of eighth grade, at the end of tenth grade, at the end of twelfth grade. And sometimes teachers have students walk into their classrooms at the start of the year who are several grade levels behind, who are never going to be able to reach that end of year standard. But the teachers that we've talked to still know those students can learn and want to move them along as far as they can on that scope. In our book, we have a great example of a 12th grade teacher in Memphis, Tennessee, who has a whole classroom of students who come in clearly far behind in the standards. They're not going on to college. They will go on to some sort of career. And she, you know, she says that she has... um, that she has a, a responsibility to help those students move as far along as they can and that she actually loves that job in a way more than some of the teachers in her school who have the more high-achieving students and have to worry about the state testing at the end of the year because what she gets to do is teach them presentation skills, is get them discussing, is get them working with the kinds of engagement activities um, that we talk about all throughout our work, the active learning, um, giving them choice in what they do, um, giving them purpose to every assignment, and letting them collaborate a lot. So I think that when we encounter those learners who are far behind, it's even more important that we really look at how do we recapture them? How do we motivate and engage them so that we can help them uh, move forward? It's not about catching up so much as moving forward in their own path of learning. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Relia, why does does your book Common Core CPR include such a strong emphasis on reading? What about students who can't read or just hate reading? Well, I don't think that any student hates to read if we can just get the right book in their hands. I think we can turn every single student into a reader, but we have to create what I call, we, Barry and I, call a culture of literacy or a culture of reading. And we felt it was so important in our book, not just to say that reading was important, but to show that by providing lists of books that engage students. And once you can get students, a student hooked on a book and not shove a book on them that they do hate or that doesn't interest them. I know there are times when that might have to happen, but if you can get them hooked on a book, then they will read that book and another book and another book, and they will turn into a reader, and then the skills that they develop are absolutely amazing. They Research has shown that they actually do better on standardized tests if they read more. They're better at writing. They're better at spelling. Uh, they're they're better at discussing. They, um, it's just really incredible the things that can happen. And now we have, we didn't used to have research on that. Now we do. And so finding the right book, and that's why teachers have to be readers too, to put the right book in those kids' hands. And we see this happening with A Fault in Our Stars and with Twilight and The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. We're seeing all of these kids who suddenly are reading and they don't realize what a benefit to their education simply by reading these books. So that's why we um, we can't talk about engaging um, practices in literacy without talking about reading. It's just vital. Now, if I could be... jump in, yeah. can I jump in on that? Um, Absolutely. You know, part of the research that really is talking about there uh, is research that says that reluctant readers will read more if they have more access to books. Yes. So part of that culture of literacy that we talk about and that we find really resonates with teachers is 
creating an entire school where reading is celebrated and is a joy. So it doesn't just become, oh, we send them to the library once a week, and it doesn't just become we've assigned them a book and they're all reading it. It becomes a school in which classrooms have uh, classroom libraries and there are books in the rooms where the teachers are writing the titles of books they're reading, no matter what their subject area or what kind of book, where the coach is writing the title of the sports book he's reading on the um, on the board as students come in and creating a platform where kids are constantly talking about books and where books become cool and the access increases and the love of reading increases as well. And, now, and Barry, let me say that Barry has managed to do that in his middle school. It's a wonderful experience. Excellent. In fact, in the district where I work, at the high school, I believe at the middle schools and the high school, uh, students can actually check out the, uh, instead of just checking out a book, you can actually check out a Kindle or a Nook. And the Kindle or Nook would be loaded or preloaded with all of the books that may be required for or expected for you to read at your grade level. And that's actually considerably less expensive than actually purchasing all all of those books for every student. And I just think sometimes we need to take what we know works and what we know works for kids as far as meeting them at their needs, which is technology, um, and and use stuff as uh, like Nooks and Kindles. Would you agree with that? And have you observed that as well? You know, you know, we have Kindles in our uh, library as well, in our school library. And we find that kids, when they're given a choice, they sometimes want the print. They still like the touch and feel of the books. But they are themselves often reading and engaging online and through technology. And we want to validate that as well. So we have kids who like to read and print and kids who love to read in the digital format, but even more so is validating the fact that they're doing a lot of reading online all of the time and Mm -hmm. treating that as a form of literacy as well and having teachers engage in that form of literacy and trying to um, teach through technology rather than around it. Excellent. Okay, we only have a few minutes left, but I'd like to ask each of you one additional question. Relia, let's start with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Inquiry and project-based learning have been proven to be invaluable motivators for students. Mm -hmm. How do you believe the overemphasis on standardized tests has impacted this teaching approach? Well, the overemphasis on standardized testing has um, influenced a lot of approaches, but when teachers think they have to teach to a test, usually it's a a um, set of information and we know now that we don't have a monopoly on information as teachers. What we need to do now is we need to get kids to uh, find, evaluate, analyze, compare, contrast, and mostly apply the learning that Barry was talking about that they're reading online all the time. And that leads us to inquiry and project-based. And I think there's a strong emphasis in that on Common Core as well. So when teachers are doing test prep all day, not only are they boring kids to death, um, but it's also not effective for the deep learning that uh, Common Core advocates and that we know engages students. So uh, out with the test prep and in with um, with loosening up a little bit and allowing students to learn deeply through um, inquiry and um, project and problem-based learning. Excellent. And Barry, my final question for you. Are there any golden rules for motivation? Are there strategies that teachers know will motivate every student every time? 
Oh, I wish there were, and I think every teacher wishes there were. Um, you know, they're not, there's not a golden rule for motivating every kid. I think really, and I worked hard in our book to capture some of the big areas that we know motivate students, but I think if we do put the student at the center, build a relationship with the student, and really look at what each student needs, that we can motivate every kid in a classroom. And I think teachers are very good at that and just need to be empowered to be able to do that and reminded that that's the center of their work. Excellent. You both gave us plenty of great information. We have been speaking with Relia Cossett Lent and Barry Gilmore. Relia, if listeners want to learn more about you or, or connect with you on social media, where should they go? Well, they can go to um, my Twitter is R.C. Lint. They can go to my website, which is ReliaLint.com. Um, I have a Facebook page as well, Relia Cossett Lint, or my email, rlint at tds.net. Excellent. And Barry, how can listeners connect with you? I have a website, it's BarryGilmore.net, and my Twitter is Barry underscore Gilmore, and my email is Barry.Gilmore at BellSouth.net. Excellent. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next time as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors. 